Hello everyone, it's Mark Goodacre here. Thanks for downloading and thanks for listening to the NT Pod, the podcast all about the New Testament and Christian origins. This is episode 5 and we're going to be looking at the character of Simon Peter in Mark's Gospel. Now most scholars take Mark's Gospel as the first Gospel to have been written and one of the great mysteries about Mark's Gospel is why he depicts the disciples in the way that he does and in particular why does he depict Simon Peter who you might have thought of as being some kind of hero as actually a rather negative figure. I mean if Simon Peter was some kind of early church leader why is it that Mark gives him such a bad time? You see after the initial command that the disciples uh, should follow him right at the beginning of the gospel, which, you know, goes fine. After that, not a lot goes right. The disciples consistently seem to misunderstand what Jesus is saying. They don't know what's going on. They don't understand the miracles that he's doing. They don't understand the teaching that he's given. And when you get to the passion narrative, they sleep while they should be staying awake and watching with Jesus. Then they all flee, and worse, one of them, Judas, hands Jesus over to the authorities, and another, Simon Peter, denies Jesus. Now, why is this going on? Has Mark got some kind of vendetta against the disciples? That's what some uh, people think. Is this an element of another famous feature of Mark's gospel, the messianic secret? Does it tie in with that? Well, one clue about the depiction of the disciples, and particularly Simon Peter, comes in chapter 4 of Mark's Gospel, in the parable of the sower. You see, in the parable of the sower, what happens is Jesus talks about how the seed that he has planted, the seed of his word, gets a different kind of reception from different kinds of people. Now, remember, one of the kinds of ground that the seed falls on is described as rocky ground. Does that remind one of anything? Well, of course, Peter, the name Peter, means something like rock. So could it be that when you have that description of the seed falling on rocky ground, there's a kind of a pun going on there about Peter's name? Well, the interesting thing here is that the description of what happens to the seed that falls on rocky ground sounds remarkably like the way that Peter behaves in Mark's Gospel. Have a listen to it. This is Mark 4, verses 16 and following. Others, like seed sown on the rocky ground, hear the word and at once receive it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. Well, a scholar called Marianne Tolbert thinks that this is very much setting up the kind of way that Peter is going to behave in the gospel, punning on his name, Peter the Rock, who initially is enthusiastic and always wants to do the right thing, but then when trouble or persecution comes, he kind of falls away. I mean, look at the way that things happen in the passion narrative. Peter is the one who stands up there and says, I won't deny you, I'll be there, I'll be following you to the end. And yet he is the one who first of all falls asleep in Gethsemane and then denies Jesus three times. Now it's interesting that the problems for Peter always seem to come at a moment when cross suffering is mentioned or appears somewhere in the narrative. So it's specifically, as it says in the parable, when trouble or persecution arise because of the word, that's when he falls away. Now notice this pattern very clearly at the end of chapter 8, at the famous moment where Peter confesses that Jesus is Messiah at Caesarea Philippi. He gets the first part 
part of things exactly right, just as Peter always does. He jumps up and says the right thing and says, yes, Jesus, you're the Messiah. But then having confessed Jesus as Messiah, when Jesus tells Peter of the importance of his suffering, Peter is scandalized by it. He really uh, reacts in a kind of vociferous sort of way and rebukes Jesus. And that rebuke in turn brings Jesus's rebuke with the famous comment, get thee behind me, Satan. What appears to be happening here is that Peter is unable to connect the two key things, Christ and crucifixion. To us, those terms are, are kind of cliches, both of them, Christ and crucifixion. We think of crucifixion when we think of Christ. But to Peter, it's not like that. And what I think is going on here in Mark's Gospel is it's a kind of narrative working out of one of the early problems that you have with the perception of a, a Messiah who is crucified. You see, if you flick over to 1 Corinthians chapter 1, there Paul talks about those for whom, those Jews for whom, the idea of Christ crucified is a scandal, a stumbling block. Now, the use of that term in Paul is itself interesting because it's the same term in Greek, scandalon, uh, that you have repeatedly used in Mark's gospel in these kind of contexts. It's that word, scandalon, stumbling block, or it's the related verb scandalizomai, to fall away, that you get. So, for example, when Jesus is addressing Peter in chapter 14, he says to Peter that you will fall away, using that same uh, verb that you get in the earlier parable of the sower and related to the noun that you get in 1 Corinthians 1.23. You're going to fall away. And for Peter, the falling away happens at the moment where the Messiah, the Christ, goes to the cross. So what we have here is a narrative in which one of the characters embodies one of the early difficulties that was felt with the whole idea of a Messiah who was crucified. Because the term Messiah, which means anointed one, is not somebody that people expected to go and die in this appalling, shameful, humiliating kind of way. So to anybody that heard the idea of a Messiah who was crucified, they would be appalled. So one of the things that Mark's doing in his narrative is he's crafting a narrative in which he stresses the way in which one of the characters struggles with that idea of a crucified Messiah, struggles with it so that the reader, as they work through the gospel, can work through their own problems with this idea. In other words, Mark doesn't just present it up front and say, say, look, I'm going to tell you this story of, uh, of a Messiah that gets crucified and you better believe it. But he structures the narrative in such a way that you are with Peter going, surely this can't be right, surely this can't be right. And the exhortation is so that you yourself don't fall away on the, on the basis of this bizarre and unusual idea. So Mark, in other words, is a gospel of Christ crucified. It's a gospel all about the Messiah who comes to suffer. And the exhortation to the reader is, make sure you don't make that the grounds on which you will stumble and fall away. Well, thanks very much for listening to the latest episode of the NT Pod. You can find me on the web at podacre.blogspot.com. You can Google for NT Pod, or you can find me on iTunes or Duke University's iTunes U. Thanks again for listening. Thanks for your comments and feedback, and I'll see you soon.